Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. It says, The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You're soaking on that. It's interesting, isn't it? What I just said produces joy and challenge at the same time. It's kind of a mystery because God, who knows everything, can't he just take hold of everything? Can't he put strings on us and puppeteer us through life? Can't he just preempt everything? He can, but that's not what he chose to do. I was reading one of the rock stars I listened to in the 70s, and I was reading his beliefs, and he said, I'm somewhere between a deist and a pantheist. So I looked up the term deist and pantheist. A deist is someone who believes in some sort of power, and God is sort of permeating everywhere, similar to pantheism, but he's not involved, he's not a personal God involved in human life. That's so tragic, because Jesus came to reveal a heavenly father who's a person, and God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus is called the Word made flesh. So if you want to understand life, you can look to Jesus, and it will reveal our origin, it will reveal our purpose, and it will indicate our destiny. Jesus is eternal, always has been, always will be. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, and he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he's assigned me today to go into the Psalms and the Proverbs and the Gospel of John and just stir you up. I've got a couple of quick stories that I think will stir you up and give you some bearing, give you some traction under your tires. And I believe the result will be greater fruitfulness, a heightened awareness of the fact that God actually wants to achieve his purposes through us, that he actually establishes orders and guides our steps. That helps us not to feel this random chaoticness out of, in fact, out of formlessness and void, God created, right? So he can bring order out of disorder. He could bring clarity out of chaos. Light excels darkness. Hallelujah. And if, not if, but when we fall, we are not hurled headlong because the Lord's there holding our hand. Aren't you grateful for the Lordship of Jesus? His presence, his availability, his proximity. So the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So God wants our engagement. God wants our minds to be renewed. In fact, one time a guy said, hey, what's the big deal, Jesus? He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's different than deism. That's different than pantheism because it creates an awareness of the personhood of God. So what this narrows down to is there's one God. It's monotheism. There's one God who sent his son Jesus after he died and paid the penalty for humanity's sins. Whoever calls upon his name will be saved. He says, guess what? I am going to receive, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be thinking Christians. I'm going to give you my word and it's going to be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. It's going to show you, it's going to organize your thinking. It's going to show you priorities. It's going to show you what my mandate is. It's a lamp under your feet. It's going to show you guidance along the way when things go dark. I love it in airplanes when the flight attendants point to the exits. And I always make sure I know where they are. And I'm happy to know there's a light strip that is on a separate power that if the power goes out, the light strip will go on and it'll help you for guidance, for guidance. And I'm just grateful that God's word has been and always will be a light in the darkness. But, you know, I was thinking about this because, God, you order our steps. And I, I drove by two of the places that I walked in with uh, real estate agents and checked out to see if, if this... Actually, three places. One was a schnook store, one was a bar, and one was a uh, movie theater. 
And this was back in the 90s when I was looking for the next step. We were going from being a vagabond gypsy church. We were going from place to place to place to place. I'd call people, and they, the ones that were open, we, they'd let us go in and look. So that this one bar, I went into this bar, and they had a 1957 Chevy convertible right up by the bar as part of the decor. So I stipulated when I started to bid on it that I would get to speak out of the front seat of that 57 Chevy. That appealed to me. I thought, I don't know of any preachers preaching out of the front seat of a 57 Chevy. And I thought, that would be cool. Come on. I see some guys feeling like I would have heard, I would have paid better attention to you if you were preaching out of a 57 Chevy. In fact, my friend who actually designed this building, he said he was so intrigued by that, he bonded with us. Because he said, he said, I think that's a social commentary that a church is taking over a bar. But that was not God's best for us. And then I went to a movie theater and I called the guy. Well, yeah, there's that, you know. And I looked in there and I began to dream. It had slanted. It had really nice comfy seats with arms, with cup holders. You know, it had popcorn on the floor still. I thought, that's good. Leave the popcorn. But it just wasn't going to work out. The ingress and egress and so forth. So one time I said to God, God, you order my steps, right? Yeah. You know where I'm ultimately going to be, right? Yeah. Well, then... Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How come I have to keep looking at all these buildings? This is, God, no offense, but this is, I feel ridiculous. I ate Chinese food one afternoon, and then I got in a guy's uh, convertible. He was a real estate guy, and I remember the MSG hit my bloodstream, and the sun was beating down on me. I was like, and I remember going into this, kind of like, nah. and, and I was looking at a building, and I was trying to be the leader and be led by the Holy Spirit and hear from God on the mountaintop and come back with the oracles of God. And then I get a phone call from Pastor Rick Shelton, and he goes, hey, I need you to preach for me at, at, at Life Church. I was like, okay, I will. So I'm coming out of MSG, people saying to me, this isn't going to work because of traffic flow or because of of uh, zoning and all that kind of stuff. And there, there's, uh, and then I got there to preach, and I was standing there next to his wife, Donna, and the worship was going on, and I, I stood there, and I, I went, excuse me, Donna, and I walked to the back of the building, and I, I shuffled my feet, dragged my knuckles. I got up to the sound booth, and I was standing back there in a similar environment, and I stood there, and I went, God, where is the anointing? And he said, and the anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit, because I did not feel any of it. He said, it's right up there. So I shuffled back down. Okay. And I worshiped for a while, kind of like this. <laughs> then I got back up there, and I stood by Donna. She said, are you all right? I went, uh-huh. She knew something was up. So I got up there, and I, sure enough, I got up, and the Lord came, and I was changed into another man. And I did a pretty good job. And uh, God helped me. And then, you know, one day, God prompted my wife, Patsy. She saw this building with a sign in the corner up there by the coffee. She said, I think you need to go down there and uh, call that guy. And I went, okay. So I, I got up, and, I, and honestly, I, my, I was not very enthusiastic because I thought, God, can't you just drop this upon us? And he said, no, you, you gotta, there's some involvement, and in, I want you to be co-laborers. I've designed you not to just be robots. I've actually design you to be cognitive, creative, and be engaging and be part of this thing. Interesting, isn't it? And C.S. Lewis said, well, God, who could do everything with perfection, has delegated to us who always blunder it. You know, he's invited us into this 
interactive thing. We're co-laborers and joint heirs with God. God has an army marching through this land. Deliverance is their song. Healing is their hand. Everlasting joy, gladness is in their heart. In this army, I've got a part. And we're marching through this land. And I think about God ordering our steps. And God ultimately brought us into this situation. It was not without resistance or challenge. We had to go in and we had to get the zoning changed. I had to find precedence in the country. Willie George and others, they were using uh, like these office parks and things like that. Churches were growing. There was a trend where things were growing outside of conventional size. God was doing like a Jerusalem early church model of 3,000 were added to the church in one day and we're part of that movement. So consequently, I had to keep expanding and find places that were larger. And uh, by the grace of God, God sent me to people that helped me, and I'm grateful. And I look back now, and I say, Jesus, I give you all the praise, honor, and the glory. And yet, there were plans in my heart. And the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Another translation, another verse says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord, it shall stand. So what am I saying by all this? Go to John chapter 3, and I'll show you an example. This is one of, I think, the most premier examples of what I'm trying to tell you from the Old Testament, and everything should be judged by the life of Jesus. Jesus models the life. Jesus is the life. Jesus' life, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. And here we see in this beginning chapter an amazing, wonderful snapshot of how Jesus engaged with people in the array of society, from an up-and-outer to a down-and-outer, from a man to a woman, from a Jewish person to a non-Jewish person, thus dealing with gender, socioeconomic, and race. And it just shows how seamless he dealt with it. We're being pressured now to become more self-conscious than ever about things we're working hard to lay aside. And uh, the pettiness of the world is trying to mount up, and we've got to push that back and see everybody is someone for whom Christ died. There's neither male nor female, for all, we're all one in Christ in the sense there are designations and responsibilities and differences, no question about it, but the world's trying to impose a, a whole different model, and so we've got to go to the Word of God and see, how do I live? How do I deal with this? So Jesus, for example, and it's seamless. Everybody say seamless. He has this moment in the evening where a man of high social standing named Nicodemus, and we're talking about our steps being ordered by the Lord, Would you agree that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit? Like he's the personification of an obedient life. And as we watch him and we look to him, we're we're following him. And Paul even said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. So we're followers and he's our leader. The Holy Spirit will lead us. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Pause. Jesus answered with something different from what he was asking. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, actually, Nicodemus didn't ask a question. He sort of stated an observation. So Jesus stated a truth to him that he was so needy of, but it was a mystery to Nicodemus. Now, as much as what is said here is what wasn't said. Notice, Jesus didn't say, Sir, due to your insecurity and your peer pressure, I refuse to talk to you on the grounds that you have come out at night because you're so nervous about me and I'm so disappointed in you, I will not even respond to your seeking. Jesus never said any of that to him. It is, in fact, 
accepting accommodation. Jesus is on his feet, seeing beyond the moment, seeing the man's heart, recognizing an inkling of seeking, and Jesus is making himself available to him by giving him this great profound revelation. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And Nicodemus can't wrap his head around it. He said in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? That's all he really knew. Up to this point in history, there's no real concept for this. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, now it gets what I want to get over to you in verse 8. Jesus then expands on this mystery of the Spirit-filled life. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Those who are of the Spirit, the Bible uses to describe us as those are like the wind. Another example would be, we're like electricity. You don't see electricity, but you see the results of electricity. Electricity is really invisible. Well, but I've seen sparks fly. But you don't see the electricity, you just see the effect. Same thing with wind. You don't see the wind, but you see the trees blow, see the leaves rustle and so forth. Christians, we are, this is the anomaly of it. We're actually, we're led by the Spirit. So we prayed, and I looked at the movie theater, and I looked at the bar, and I looked at the school, and I looked at all these different places. And he basically said, yeah, I'm ordering your steps, but you can't move a parked car. you got to be moving. And this is, in fact, you know, Jesus is moving. He's on the move, and here's fascinating stuff happening. Now you go to chapter 4. And I don't have time to elaborate on it, but it's the famous woman at the well. And Jesus is tired and he's waiting and his disciples go to town to get some food and he doesn't have any food and he doesn't have any water. So a lady's coming with a, an urn and she's coming from her town to go get water from the well because that's where it was. Jesus is sitting there and he asked for water and she said, how are you a Jew speaking to a Samaritan? And additionally, how is a man speaking to a woman in this moment? So there were a lot of issues there that Jesus just seamlessly pushed past. Really wasn't about all that. It was, he wasn't enamored by Nicodemus, and he wasn't socio-grading and dis, therefore dismissing this lady. What I love about the Jesus that I read in John 3 and 4 is that he is no respecter of persons. He sees the value in every human being on the planet. Can I hear an amen? amen. And this is the opposite of becoming absorbed with and preoccupied with differences. This comes into a place where we get up and we realize, hey, I'm an ambassador for Christ, and people are people, and Jesus died for everybody. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God desires no one to perish, but all to have everlasting life. And we want to find the elect out there and let them know about Jesus' vote so they could receive him. So the woman at the well, you know, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked you, you'd ask him and he'd give you living water. Living water? Say what? Yeah, it's the kind you'll never thirst after again. Show me this water because I'm tired of carrying this water. Just like Nicodemus. Can I be born again the second time in my mother's womb? And the girl goes, how can I have water that's just a bo bottomless water? You know, it's, it's like I could just keep drinking it. It's kind of like Kingston when one time we asked him to pray at Say Grace at the meal. He said, hey, can I pray a prayer that covers all the rest of our meals for the rest of our life? It's like, can I tithe and just cover the rest of my life? Actually, one of my staff members said, Pastor Jeff, this is rare. Some, somebody just pre-tithe for the new, next year. 
I thought, that's radical. That's bringing the, whole, that's bringing the first fruits before the fruit is fruit. That's high faith. I love it too. But I want you to get a hold of this because, well, here's what happened. Nicodemus, along with Joseph of Arimathea, people both of high social rank. You remember what Joseph of Arimathea provided for Jesus that fulfilled the prophecy? The tomb that was hewn out of one rock. Nobody else had that, but he had it, and it was the fulfillment of a specific prophecy from the Hebrew prophets. So these guys were actually there at the time of his death and his burial and his resurrection. So their hearts got changed. So there's hope for the up and outers. And we must realize that they too are part of our commission and we must not be intimidated. How hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Yet with God, all things are possible. I'm undaunted. With this woman at the well, she had, you know, hey, go tell your husband. Ah, uh, well, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you said that correctly, girlfriend. You have no husband? Because you've had five husbands, and the one you have now, not exactly your husband. You said this truly. She said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Blood ran out of her head, and instead of him going, and therefore, I don't even want to bother with you anymore. Didn't say that. He said, go tell your town. And this, this was a heavily male-dominated situation so when the guys came back the whole town got saved and some of them had to say hey look we're not believing based on your word and th this was this was chauvinistic it's not we're not going to be based on your word we're, we're doing it because he told us so it's like okay but history bears out that this loser became a winner of an entire city <laughs> jesus will get a hold of people and now we are commissioned jesus left and he said these works and greater works shall you do so here's the deal for the equipping for today. Hallelujah. I was getting gasoline years ago, somewhere that was kind of off my normal path. And I was told by a guy that I walked up to this big, burly, football-looking guy, and I gave him a gospel tract years and years ago. I don't remember it. He's gotten angry with me when I said I don't remember it because it was pivotal for his life. So how offensive is it that you changed my life and I can't remember it? But he remembered it. And what I did is I gave him a gospel track that had a pot leaf on it and the zigzag man on the back. And it was called High Times. For obvious reasons, these things have become very pertinent again. And so I gave him one of those. He read it. He gave his heart to Jesus and became a serious Jesus follower. His life got changed. Beautiful person. And it spread through his household. Well, you speed it up a few years and he's working as a, in a moving company, and he's, someone has moved in from out of state, and they're now becoming the general manager of one of the prestigious, large department stores in our community. And he overhears the husband and wife saying, while he's bringing in their furniture and their boxes, man, we, where are we going to find a church? So I apologize, I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but hey, I got, I've got a church for you. So really, so they were invited to St. Louis Family Church. Now, they've told me this story years later, and they said, this is how, I didn't know this for years. The woman who was, had a pharmacology degree got struck with a vicious attack of a brain tumor. She was attending Patsy's Wednesday ladies' meetings, and she heard for the first time that Jesus not only saves, but Jesus is the Lord that heals us. She said she had never heard that before. She said, had she not come to that meeting and those meetings, she never would have been introduced to that vital truth. She said, had she not been introduced to that vital truth, she's certain she would have died early because they were already saying this is a death sentence. 
She came with a bandaged head, but she came. And God delivered her, and she got totally healed. And I don't even remember passing that track at the gas station, but my steps were ordered by the Lord. I went to this gas station, and I passed out a gospel track to a guy in what seemed to be a random moment. It must have been uneventful for me because I entirely forgot, but it was eventful for him because it introduced him to the hope of the gospel. He acted on it. He became a Jesus follower, not only a Jesus follower, he then became an instrument to help others. It brought a family into the church and brought a woman into the awareness of healing. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. And this is what happened with Nicodemus. This is what happened with the woman at the well. And this is what can happen with us. And this is why when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he specified trips. Tomorrow, Trey has taken a team of a church group from Iowa to go down and continue to help in Hurricane Harvey and uh, keep building up houses. We're figuring out how to get some teams together to do some painting and things like that, get a lot of millennials out on a maybe spring break or President's Weekend, President's Day weekend, you know, just whatever we could do to get the people back on their feet that have suffered from that stupid hurricane. If you want to know how I feel about natural disasters, I don't say they're acts of God. With every one of them, I predicate it by saying, that stupid earthquake, that stupid fire, that stupid... Why? Because it's just stupid. But then we get to step in and fix stuff. And God said there'd be those among us who would be repairers of the breach. Everybody say, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. He delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong. Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. My proposition to you for the new year is a year of fruitfulness. It's a year of strengthening. It's a year of achievement. It's a year of abundance. It's a year of prosperity. Strengthening, fulfillment, achievement, prosperity, and abundance. And here's essentially what I'm advocating. As you and I just do the thing God's called us to do as individuals, and we take an understanding of this, then we won't try to be like other people we won't compare ourselves among ourselves, nor will we get all antagonized by regret, like at this stage of my life or at this birthday, I should have had this or I should have had that. We won't get in the FOMO, fear of missing out, which is really a thing that's, that's rampant in our world. The eyes of a man are never satisfied. We won't compare ourselves among others. We will just be available to the Jesus that knows how to unflinchingly address Nicodemus by night and the woman at the well by day and all of us in between. Hallelujah. And that the potential is even passing out a gospel track written by a dear friend who was an old hippie, high times gospel track to a guy at a gas station, took a little bit of risk, gave it to this guy, drove away not knowing whether it would impact him or not. He ends up getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and becomes a soul winner. Impacts a family, brings them into contact with healing, and saves the person from a brain tumor. And there's more. There's infinitely more. There might be people that we can reach in this community that will go back to countries that are closed to the gospel. And because they had a good encounter with a godly person, they'll take a different mindset back and say, no, it's not that way. There's something about this. I'm convinced that we're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. I'm convinced a grocery bag can make a healing difference in the mindset of many. I'm convinced that one service where we come in the midst of the snow and the cold and we worship God in spirit and in truth and we release our faith 
that we'll see amazing things happen in our world. Hey, I made it through the Cold War. Our next door neighbor had a bomb shelter and they threatened, if you try to come over here, I'll kill you. That's what I grew up with as a child. That's, about, that's neighborly love, isn't it? I knew a Christian who got all weird watching too much Christian television. He had a big old uh, uh, satellite dish and he started buying into all this stuff and he started doing the hoarding protection stuff and the guy said, hey, would you share your groceries with my family? No, I'll shoot you. So it's like it crept over to the Christian. He's never been the same. I think, this is crazy. I remember one Christian broadcast, oh, get soybeans and firewood and get out in the woods and go hide. It's like, no, ours is not a message of retreat and evacuation. Ours is a message of go forward. The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. And I press on. I forget what lies behind. I press on and forget what lies behind. Fixing my eyes on Jesus, moving forward in faith. There are big, beautiful breakthrough moments up ahead for each and every one of us. We all have gifts in our lives that the Holy Spirit has given us, embedded in us. It's up to us to rouse and stir and kindle afresh those things, to be available. So we're going to print up some pot leaf tracks. We're going to print up some Smile Jesus Loves You tracks. We're going to pray to the, with the idea that we're going to be able to lead more people to the Lord than ever before in human history. I love Charles Spurgeon in Britain. I love General and Catherine Booth. I love... Uh, the great history spikes like D.L. Moody and Billy Graham and people like that. I, I love it. But I love the movement we're in now where churches are growing and bodies of believers are growing and we're getting a, our minds and hearts in one accord. And, and that God has, he, wants, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's in accordance with the proper working of each individual part that God will cause the growth of the body and the building up of itself in love. You may possess the key to a person that would lead their family to the Lord, that will lead their neighborhood to the Lord, that will lead a city to the Lord, that could change a nation. And you just never know which step of obedience it's going to be, so then it gets you out in a hallelujah. I don't even have a bucket list because that's a morbid deal. I just My deal is, God, my steps are ordered by you. What do you have for me today? Who do you want me to pray for? I've been fascinated as a pastor. I'll pray for people, and I'll walk up to them, and i say, I pray for you. What day? This day. What time? This time. What about this? That's exactly what I needed. This <laughs> so I don't go away going, hello. I don't go away like that. I go, God, that just seems so random. I didn't have any feeling that was supernatural. And yet you did that. This is awesome. This Christian life is amazing. This life of faith is beautiful. It's better than going to Hawaii. Say, can I do it and go to Hawaii? Sure you can. Let's all stand up on our feet. I want you to nudge somebody next to you. Say, your steps are ordered by the Lord. If you're here and you've never opened your heart to the Lord Jesus, there's something called repentance. Repentance is change. Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans was a medical doctor back in the 20s, and she wrote a book about how God changed her life. She got set free from from knockout pills and from, uh, I think, opiates. She was one of the forerunners of addiction. She got into all kinds of addiction and had a lot of problems, and the Lord delivered her out of them. And uh, she said, whenever my prayers don't get answered, I start to change. She said, because the Lord never changes. So she said, so then I figure out where should I change. So that's what I think inventory at the new year is all about. We just humble ourselves and say, God, I just yield to you. I trust you. I'm believing for greater things. 
who's believing for greater things this year? Now, if you're not a Christian, the greatest thing in life is to embrace and receive Jesus, realizing you're sinful and that darkness separates you from God, but that by the miracle, Jesus catapulted over our sin. In fact, he became sin so that we might be made right with God. So ask Jesus to come into your heart. Confess and acknowledge him as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and that he's alive and he's present and he'll help you through your course. Receive the Holy Spirit and his power, supernatural equipping. I pray the blessing of God would foster something so fruitful in this year for you, for us as a body, for you as an individual, your household. I bind the devil over these families in Jesus' name. I come against every oppression, every evil spirit. I break those powers now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for a supernatural protection this afternoon. I get people out before any kind of precipitation so they can all get home safe. And I pray protection and blessing on all these, these folks. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Wonderful. Wonderful. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. As you go, preach. Share the gospel.